You're listening to Words of Encouragement, the preaching ministry from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Winsboro, Louisiana. Living in a foreign land, believer strangers need to practice the love of God, trust in His Word, and put away sin. Today, on Words of Encouragement. We have a God who is with us wherever we go. And as we look at these uh, strangers, believer strangers that are living in a foreign land, uh, today I want us to see that Peter instructs them to practice the love of God, to trust in His Word, and to put away sin. And I truly believe, I've always believed this, this has always been uh, one of my uh, emphases, uh, emphasis is, uh, this has always been something with me that I felt that we could do a lot better on as Christians, and that is living out loud our faith. Uh, we're, we're not to be, you know, we're not to be secret Christians. We're not to be people who just uh, fade into the world around us and not stick out. I mean, we, if we have Christ in our hearts, we're going to stick out because we're going to do things differently. Uh, from everyone else in the world. But our world needs to see the love of God. If you're a child of God, what can you do? What are some things you can do to share that love in a foreign land that does not know God? Well, we can love, trust, and put away sin. And that is our message for today, is to love, trust, and put away sin. So let's say it together. Love, trust, and put away sin. As we walk through this today, I hope that you'll be able to walk out of here with those words on your mind. Love, trust, and put away sin. And I hope you'll walk away with them defined in your heart and in your head. Uh, If you are able, I'm going to ask that you stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God coming from 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 22. The Bible says, since since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. A good word from God's word to our hearts today. I invite you to be seated this morning. We strangers of this world need to practice love towards each other as we live in a foreign land. And you will you will. You'll see this as we move along. Here in the first part of verse 22, it says, Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. Here's an idea, here's this idea, that as we are obedient to God, a purification of our soul is taking place. Okay, so as we obey God, purification of our souls is taking place. It's not it, it it's it's what God is doing as we obey as we trust and obey. How many of you when you heard the song when we sang the song this morning trust and obey had this thing in the back of your head when you were growing up and you heard this song that you just thought, well, maybe that just sounds just a little little bit legalistic. I don't know about this song. I don't know about being told to obey. How many of you felt that way? I don't. I guess you have to raise your hand. But how many of you just kind of felt like just kind of 
bumped up against that and thought, trust and obey, that's just, that sounds like the church trying to tell me how to live. That sounds like somebody else telling me how to live. I don't know if I want somebody to tell me that I have to obey God. But when you listen to that hymn, you listen to those words, the only way, the only way to, uh, to have that relationship with Jesus The only way to have that love, to experience His presence in your life is to trust and obey. And that's the facts. That's just it. I mean, we're just, you know, the church, the hymn writer, the Bible is, God is telling us that if we want to walk with Jesus, if we want to have a good relationship with Him, then really we need to trust and obey. Why do we need to trust and obey? Because you and I have given our lives over. Over to God. So therefore, we have chosen already in that process to trust and obey Him. We've already said we will do it, and so we need to follow through. So that's all the song is telling us to do, is to trust and obey. There is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. So if that's what we want, then we will trust and obey. And so it sounds so simple and yet sometimes sounds so, oh, well, I don't want anybody telling me to trust and obey anybody. Well, do you want to be happy in Jesus? If you do, then you will trust and obey. But in that obedience to God, Peter is saying here that a purification of our soul is taking place. As we draw near to Him, we leave behind the dirt of the world in which we live. Does that make sense? I mean, the closer you go to Jesus, the more like Him you will be, but the less like the world you will become. And so it's incredible how this works. The purification of our soul is taking place every time we obey Him. We're becoming more like Him as we continue to live in obedience to Him. As we walk in obedience to the truth, we can show and unhypocritical and sincere love to one another. It's a love from the heart, from a pure heart. It is a love that others see. It, now, this, this is interesting. Since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. Now, this sounds very familiar. It sounds like, to me, I have heard this something similar somewhere else. Let me tell you where I found it as I recalled it. It comes from John chapter 13. Jesus himself said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And here's the catch. By this, by this, you and I loving each other, when we do this, by this, all men, all people outside will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's how they will see Jesus. That's how they will know that you and I belong to him when we love each other. Now, and when I hear about a church who has a problem loving one another, they've got issues in the in the body of Christ and there's infighting and all of that. I can I can without doubt say something happened to the love of God in that church because it's getting hard to find it. 
when his people are bickering with one another. It is hard to find. Now, that is not something that you and I ever need to participate in or be a part of because the world needs to know who Jesus is and they're not going to find him in his church if we are people who are at odds with one another. And what is our, what is our role in this world? It's to show people Jesus. It's to show him to the world. And if the world can't see him in us, then something's wrong. Something's wrong. Is something wrong with God? No. Is something wrong with us? Oh, no. Oh, possibly so. Possibly so. We've got to be the children of God all of the time, and we've got to love each other. All of the time. We've got to be, we've got to hold on with a tenacious love, a love that says, you know what? I don't agree with my brother or I don't agree with my sister, but don't you dare cross them. I love them and they matter in this world to me and to God. And I love them. We not we don't we may not see eye to eye on this one little issue, but we see eye to eye on Jesus, and that matters over everything. That matters above everything else. The first use of the word is the brotherly love where he says here uh, in this verse uh, 22, since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. This first use is this brotherly love that we're to have with each other, to each other, towards each other. The other love is the agape love, the self-sacrificing love. So he uses two different words for love in this verse. And in English, we see we see love. But it's the sincere brotherly love, the love of the brethren, of each other, and then this fervent, self-sacrificing love that we are to have to one another from the heart. So that is really interesting. That's where you get in. That's, you know, some people say, wow, my goodness, all this Greek and Hebrew stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it sheds light on what our English has been translated into. And so we see it and we say, wow, okay. So this is not just, hey, I love you, brother. Hey, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. That's good. No, it's also, there's also a self-sacrificing love that is in there. There's a self-sacrificing love that when one of us sees another in trouble, you know what? I really need to run to Walmart. I got stuff to do. But this is my sister. Oh, but this is my brother in Christ. They, okay, Walmart can wait, you know? Because more than likely, Walmart's still going to be there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they're everywhere. It's still going to be there. But if our brother or sister in Christ needs help, we're going to be there. You know, you and I, we're going to be there for each other because that is what we have for one another. A self-sacrificing love, a brotherly love, a love that came from God himself that has been placed in our hearts. And it's who we are. And at the drop of a hat, we will be there. I mean, somebody needs help, we will be there. We will be there for one another. This is an intense and earnest and fervent love towards each other. This is not the love on the outside and not on the inside kind of love. This is true love for others that is noticeable and that is obvious. Obvious and noticeable, same thing, I guess. But this kind of love cannot help but be seen by other people. And it's true. It's true. I have been in churches where the love was not obvious, but I've also been in a church where I have thought, man, I want to be a part of that church. These people are so nice. And it's not a nicey nice. It's a true 
niceness. It's love. It is there and people feel it and experience it and there's nothing, nothing like it anywhere else. Okay, I'll give you Chick-fil-A. That's all. That's the only place that I'll give you where I don't think it's, you know, where I think it's actually sincere. It just comes across so sincere. I'm picking with you. I've often said if I just need a little pick-me-up, I don't even have to order. I can just go, go through the line and just kind of say, hey, and they're, oh, how are you? How are you? Welcome to Chick-fil-A. You just, sometimes you just need to go somewhere where you know that somebody cares. And it shouldn't be a, it shouldn't be a fast food place. It should be a church. It should be a, a Christian that you know. And yes, there's Christians at Chick-fil-A. We could go on and on. But the, when people in this world see us taking care of each other, when they see us meeting one another's needs, when they see us sharing with one another, they will want that too. Because love, true love, is attractive to other people. And the love of Christ is like a magnet. It pulls people together. People want to be with people who really care. They want that. They'll be curious about that. It will be what sets us visually apart from the rest of this world, the love that we have for one another. It will be our sign. It will be our recognizable characteristic. That's what people should be able to say about Christians. They should be able to say, oh, Christians, oh, they love people. They care about people. They care about meeting needs of people. That's what they should have in their heads, not, oh, those Christians, they're so mean and they're so mean-spirited and the looks of the, the, the way they're, ju- they're judgy, judgy, and they're just horrible people. No, 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 no. You and I, you and I have an opportunity to show the world what a real Christian looks like, and we need to do it. We need to be out there sharing his love and showing his love. Because we live in a foreign land. We live in a temporary world that's not going to be here forever, but that is also filled with sin that needs the love of God. And so they're looking for it. They're wanting to see it. And that's what we need to be known as, those people who love one another. Our love, the love that God has placed in our hearts, is the demonstrating factor of who we are. It's what it is. Are you continually living out? My first question, are you continually living out the love of God in front of others? Are you continuing? I'm not look, I know I slip up. You're going to slip up. But on a continual, regular basis, can you look back over a span of time and say, okay, on the whole, yes, then good for you. Keep it up. If you look back and say, well, you know what? I don't know. What can I point to? What can I point to? What can I say? Is there anything? Then it's time to talk to the Lord. It's time to draw near Him. It's time to draw closer to Him and allow Him to work through you. The second thing, we strangers of this world need to trust in the Word of God as we live in a foreign land. Look at verse 23. For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring Word of God. This love that is in the heart of every believer comes from being born again. This being born again is not just a one-time event and then it's over. This is a one-time event that continues to have long-lasting effects for the rest of your life. It's it, you know it's not just, it's not like okay I had a birthday now I'm older. It, you know it, no it, well maybe that's not a good comparison because you're still you know yeah it's going to happen again and again it's going to have continuing effects I promise you I'm beginning to realize. 
Um, but it's not like it's not like well, you went to the to uh, you went to that play. You, you maybe went to the princess play, and you, there it was. That was it. You went, you saw it. That was it. It's over. They're probably not going to do that same one again for a long, long time. Uh, and that may not, you know, it may have been good, but it didn't affect continually your life day to day to day to day to day. And your encounter with Christ is going to affect your life day after day after day after day. If you truly asked him to come into your heart to to forgive you of your sins, to be in charge of your life, if you have done that, then your life is going to be affected day after day after day after day. Because the love of Christ has been placed inside of you. And it's there. And it's there. And it's got to come out. It's not going to run out, but it's got to come. Every now and then, it's got to come out daily, actually. It's got to continually flow from God to you to others. And that's what needs to happen. But this love is there. It's there. It's not a one-time event that, that, that just is over. Because it was not born out of a seed that could die, but out of a seed that cannot die. It came through the, the living and enduring Word of God. Who is the Word? Jesus is the Word. According to Frank Stagg, a person who is born anew has been born not of perishable seed. Man's seed is perishable, and that which is born of it will perish. It will die. But the one who is born anew is born of God's seed. It is imperishable. One who is born of it is imperishable. He will not die. Good news. The word here includes the Old Testament scriptures. He's talking about the word. You see the word or the scriptures mentioned in the New Testament. You you think, oh, the Bible, uh, the scriptures of the Old Testament that they had then. That's what they're talking about. The New Testament, apostolic proclamation and the presentation of both in the message of the first century evangelist is included here uh, in the words of Peter. The word Living suggests the power of the Word of God to awaken a new life, to initiate change in our lives through the application of its teaching. The word enduring reinforces the idea of the permanence of the life that God's Word generates, as well as the permanence of the Word itself. I see this combination of God's Word and new life, and it reminds me where in the book of Genesis, God says, Then God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation. Plants yielding seed and fruit trees on earth bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them. And it was so. God spoke and new life existed. I love it. He spoke into existence. Life. That's what he does with us when we ask Christ to come into our life. He speaks new life. We're a new creature in Christ. What God, when he speaks, when he speaks, what he says endures, it lasts. Look at verses 24 and 25. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Whoa, God's word enduring forever. His words are words of life to you and to me. It endures endures. Through His Word, we have life. As we live and breathe, as we inhabit this world, we do so with the everlasting Word of God as our comfort. Listen, if God says to put our trust in Him, we will be saved from hell, then we trust His words. We will be saved from hell. Why? Because God's word is alive and it endures. It's alive. It endures. It's not, it wasn't said once and then it just has no meaning afterwards. 
it still has meaning for us today. Are you trusting in God's word? Are you trusting in his word today? The last thing we see, we strangers of this world need to put away our sins as we live in a foreign land. I mean, goodness, as we live in a foreign land, we've got to love each other. We've got to trust in the word of God, but also we must put away sin because this world needs somebody to look at that is consistent in their walk with Christ. This world wants to be able to point to somebody. Now you say, well, this world doesn't care. No, yes, it does. Yes, it does. It says a lot, this world. The people in this world, they say a lot. They do a lot. But they are searching. They're searching for something that is permanent, something that is real. Is it out there? We know the answer. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, putting aside all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Oh, boy. This putting aside, the, the, the Peter uses the word, uh, well, he uses, obviously, his word in his language. And it means, translated for us, putting aside. But it's as if you are putting aside a coat. You're taking it off. You're putting it aside. So as, as, as you would a coat, as you would when you come in from the cold and your house is hot and nice and warm, and you take off that coat just like that, Peter is saying he's calling on us to do away with our malice, our wickedness, our deceit, our hypocrisy, our envy, our slander, to take all of that off, get rid of all of that, put it away. We don't need it in our lives. Just as you don't need a coat in a warm home, you don't need the sin in your life. I don't need it in my life. We need to get rid of it. And since we have the love of God in our hearts that we received when we trusted in Him and His Word to save us, we need to take all of those things and set them aside. But why? 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 Why, God, do we need to get rid of something that's fun just for a moment? I know it's sin, God. I know you're against it, but why do we have to put it away? Sometimes sin is fun. Well, sin's always fun, I think, because it's not because all fun things are sin, but because sin is, sin is fun because that's the way the devil hooks us. Something we can look at and say, well, that's fun. I can do that. It's okay. And we do it, and it was fun for a moment, but then we pay the result for the you know the results come from our sin then and we're like oh well that well, was it worth it was that worth it was that moment of fun worth it ugh <laughs> we look at it and we say well, well then why why do we have to lay aside our sin god because they those sins hinder the distribution and the display of god's love that's why we have to put the sin away It hinders the display and the distribution of the love of God. It it hinders His work in this world. People are not going to experience His love because there are some Christians who are sinning and haven't put away sin. Oh, man. How, how, how does that just, that steps on my toes today. We hinder the distribution and the display of God's love when we hold on to our sin. Listen, no unbeliever will listen to us talk about God if they see continual ungodly behavior in our lives. They're not going to listen to us. They're going to say, well, I saw you doing this. I saw you over here doing this. I heard you talking about so-and-so. I heard you gossiping about that, that and that. And I heard you. I, 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 you're going to talk to me about God now? I don't think so. 
I'm not going to listen to that. And they're not going to listen to that. If the picture of God's changing power in our lives is one that says deceiving others is okay, having the desire to hurt someone is okay, and speaking about someone with intent to hurt their reputation is okay, then, friends, we have messed up our witness in this world. We've messed up our day-to-day behavior in this world opens or shuts a door for the gospel. We're not to be hindered by our emotions, which can cause us to speak evil of others. We're not to be hindered by a desire to hurt others or to play as if we're loving when we're not. The world can identify a hypocrite. The world can identify a hypocrite. They know. They see it in politicians all the time, and they say, well, now, wait a minute. He said he was going to do this, and then he didn't even try. Something's wrong there. And they're looking at Christians, and they're looking at them the same way. They say they love God. Do they love me? Do they love me? They're asking. They're asking. We're not to be hindered. We're not to be hindered by a desire to hurt others. God calls on us to be genuine in our love for one another. This world is looking for genuine people of God. The people around these strangers in foreign lands that Peter is talking to needed to see people who loved God and loved people. They needed to see it. They needed to see it. Look at verse 2. Like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. We're to be like newborns ever longing for the pure milk of the word. He's not referencing, he's not referencing the milk that new believers need. He's talking about here the continual need to feast on the word of God. He's referring to the daily intake of the word of God that each of us needs in order to make it as a believer stranger in this world. We're to have the innocence of children. The innocence of children as well as the appetite of children when it comes to God's Word. (laughs) Ever been around a little child? I'm hungry, I'm hungry. Always hungry, always got to eat, always eating. They're growing. Ah, something, something good right there in the Scripture. They're growing, so they need to eat. You and I need to eat so that we can grow. We're not going to grow just by ourselves. The human body is going to grow by itself, but you and I aren't going to grow to be more like Jesus just by sitting here. I'll sit in church every now and then. I'll be more like Jesus. No, that's not how it works. You've got to feast. You've got to uh, partake of the Word of God every day. You know, when babies are awake, it's like they're awake to eat. (laughs) Then they sleep. Then they wake up, and then they want to eat again. Peter says we need to be like that. We need to be like those babies. We need to have that desire for God's Word as a baby desires food. We need to be just like that. And in the consumption of the Word of God and the putting away of the sins, we grow in our salvation. We become more like Jesus. Charles Spurgeon said this, To put away the Scriptures from the mind's study is the certain way to prevent their influencing the outward conversation. Backsliders begin with dusty Bibles and go on to filthy garments. I thought that was a good word. Not only should we desire the Word of God, but we should also desire to put away the things which hinder the message of God. Malice and hypocrisy and deceit and envy and slander. Look at verse 3. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, now, wait a minute. That just that sounds odd by itself. Yes, it should, because it's not by itself. It's connected to verse 2, which is connected to verse 1. He's saying, if in fact you have tasted 
that the Lord, uh, the kindness of the Lord, if in fact you have tasted that the Lord is kind or since you have, then you will desire more of him. You will desire more of him. It's like that first bite of that, oh, of that donut that just came from the store. And I'm not talking about Walmart. I'm talking about the store, the donut shop. It's like that first bite. You're like, oh, man. You know, it's just, and then you, you know, all the, you know what goes through your head? Oh, it's just, okay, I'll just eat one. You know, I'll eat it very slowly. And I will just take another bite. And it's so good. And then there's, you know, and you just take another bite. And before you know it, there's another donut in your hand. And it's like, well, it's just one more. And it's just, oh, and it's just so good. And it's just, it's just Sugar, sugar, but it's so good. And you're just so, oh, it, that's, that's what God wants of us. If you have tasted of the Lord, if you have been saved, if you've been changed by the power of the gospel, then you have tasted of the Lord. You know he is good and you just got to have more of that. You've got to have more of that. You want to know more about Jesus. You want to be like him. And you want God to do that in your life and in your heart. And you want that to happen. And, and the world says, no, no, no. But you say, but I want it. And the world says, no, no, no. And you say, well, I can wait. And the Lord says, uh, the world says, yeah, yeah, you can wait. You can wait. Keep waiting. And you say, well, I'll get to it. And the world says, yeah, 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 you'll get to it way on down. You don't need to worry about being like Jesus right now. This is not important right now. You can wait till you're older and you can do it then. And the world gets you and you think, well, okay, maybe that's, I'll, I'll worry about that later. And that's how the world works. That's how the devil works in this world. He grabs hold of you right away. You tasted of the Lord and found he was good. You found that the kindness of the Lord. You realized how wonderful he is. And the world came along and said, oh, no, you know, yeah, yeah, you're good. You're good. You don't need to worry about that. That's for when you're older. You don't have to worry about that now. Meanwhile, people are looking at you because you have professed your faith in Christ. And you have been baptized And people know that you have made a decision to follow Jesus and they're watching you and they're wondering, what happened? What happened? I thought they were a Christian. I thought they had been changed by the power of God. Somewhere in the middle, somewhere in in the meantime, somewhere in the time in the world, the devil had a good day. And he had a good day with you. And he took over in a way that you allowed him to. And you thought, well, maybe later I'll get back with God. Let me tell you something. His power to forgive is is bigger than I can even express. And if you're here this morning and you're thinking, you know what? I don't know. Maybe I, I, I think I may be one of those that, that maybe, maybe I have just kind of waited and thought, well, maybe I'll get to this God stuff later. Maybe today you're thinking, you know what? I do need, I do need to get back with God. I need to get closer to him. Let me remind you that God is stands with his arms open wide, waiting for you to come. He's not going to say, I told you, 
I've been mad at you for a long time. I've been waiting for you to come to me. God is waiting with his arms open to embrace you. He loves you. He wants you to walk with him. He wants to do a work in your life. He wants to use you in this world. He's waiting for you to say, God, here am I. Send me. He's waiting. Maybe today you need to come and just say again, look, I need to rededicate my life. I need to say again, look, I'm starting from this day forward and I'm going to walk forward with Jesus. I'm not going to leave him behind. I'm going to walk forward with him. Because I know my place. I know who I am in Christ. Are you continually living out the love of God in front of others? Are you trusting in His Word? Are you putting away sin in your life? Because when you do, that reflects your relationship with Jesus. When you're putting sin away, it reflects something's happening in your heart. Something's going on. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for loving us. I thank you for wanting us in your family. God, I thank you for being a God who forgives us. Oh, man. Lord, we mess up so much, so many different ways. And we, we choose other than you so many, different, so many different times in our lives. But Father, you forgive us. I thank you for being a God who forgives. I thank you for being a God who loves us. Oh, Lord, I pray this morning. If someone needs to come and just say, hey, I just need to start again. I know I'm a Christian. I, I, I'm coming because I am. Because I've, put, I've just put you, God, on the back burner. Maybe you need to come this morning and just say, hey, look, I, I just need a, I need a new start. I need to start again. I need to walk back toward Jesus. And I need to get into his word and allow you, God, to speak to my heart. Maybe you need to come and pray. Maybe you need to just talk with me. I'll pray with you. But if there's a decision you need to make this morning, I pray that you'll make it and not put it off. Now's the time. Now's the time. Here's an opportunity for you to get right with the Lord. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. Father, I thank you for being a God who accepts us, who loves us as we are, who embraces us. Even in the midst of our sin, you reach out and you call to us. You love us. You provided the way for our sins to be forgiven. And you provided that for us today. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Words of Encouragement. We're glad that you are a listener. Uh, if you'd like to know more about our church, you can always go to fbcwinsboro.com. That's fbcwinsboro.com. And you can learn more about who we are and where we are uh, as we reside here in Winsboro, Louisiana. If you're ever passing through, just stop and see us. Come and worship with us. I do pray that you are living your life out loud for Jesus. This world so needs to see it. Would you do that? Will you work on that this week? I'm praying that you will. I'm praying that I will. Thank you for joining us for Words of Encouragement. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, and may you always remember, if you have professed your faith in Christ, you belong to Him.